0: Thank you so much. What a great welcome and it's so good to see you. I've missed you and I've been praying for you the last couple of years. And of course, you're amazing preacher, Rick Ashley. Love Rick, he's at my church, Compass Church today. I just texted the maintenance and told him to turn off the air conditioning. I want him to feel, I wanted him to be one with us today here. So, but no, uh, Rick is preaching at Compass and, and you're, so you're kind of getting the short end of the stick, I'm, I'm afraid. But I'm hoping that maybe what the Lord has prepared in my heart will minister to your heart and all God's people will be blessed today. So let's do this. And I want to also just encourage you to be here next weekend. What an important weekend to hear the vision for the next five years. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to try to watch online because I'm excited about what God is doing here at the Hills Church. I was recently asked to speak for a few Christian college chapels, and I thought, you know, it's been a while since I've been around college kids, and I just thought, I want to make sure that I understand the language that kids are speaking these days, and so I googled Gen Z phrases, and man, you know what I discovered? I'm not very current. I I discovered that. I know that may come as a big surprise, but I found myself, every time I looked at groupings of words, I thought, what does that even mean? So I want to share with you some of my findings in case you have college kids in the house, or maybe uh, grandkids that are college kids, or are getting ready to have college kids? Here's some of the, the, the language that I, that I learned. First of all, uh, I got the tea. I got the tea. I got the tea. Does anybody know what that means? It means I, I got the lowdown. I got the details. I know the latest gossip. Not to be confused with sip the tea. That's totally different. Okay. That, that uh, means kind of mind your own business or spill the tea. Right, which means uh, give me the lowdown, spill the tea. All right, how many of you are learning right now? You're learning, okay. Uh, this one's easy, just bet, just bet, just bet. Bet just means like, yeah, that's cool, good, bet. Uh, no cap, no cap, this is great, means like no no, no lie, like for real, like shut up, are you serious? Like that's, <laughs> that's what no cap means, no cap, no kidding. And then I like this one, uh, bye, Felicia, bye. Like, I'm tired of putting up with you, Felicia, by... Uh, I don't know who Felicia is, but we're tired of her. Um, and, then, uh, and then my favorite, this is great, I love this. Uh, this describes church today, like it's bussin', it's bussin'. It's great, it's fantastic, it's bussin'. Everybody say it with me, it's bussin'. Church is bussin' today, okay? How many of you learned something just now? All right, we need you to wake up a little bit. Here, here's the thing. We might not understand everything the younger generation is saying today, but there are some words that all of us can say that have the potential to make a huge impact in our lives and our relationships. I wanna talk to you about the power of words and their potential to change your life today. And I'll start with this. Have you ever had the best of intentions, but you just ended up saying the wrong thing? Anybody else? Not long ago on a cold winter night, during uh, the polar vortex. I know it's hard to envision cold right now, but just think about it. Think about what it was like, all right? Uh, during Snowmageddon, my w- Michelle and I were, uh, my wife, her name is Michelle, wanted you to understand, she was my wife. Uh, we were cuddling on the couch and uh, I wanted to express my love to her and I was trying to find the words to be romantic and yet I'm always trying to make her laugh as well. So I looked her in the eyes and She was so beautiful, and her skin was so soft, and I said, sweetie, you're so beautiful, and you're so cuddly, you're like a big marshmallow. (laughs) And I knew in an instant that was a mistake. The synapses in my brain were like, there must be backtracking, there must be backtracking. And I said, I mean like the mini marshmallows you put in the cocoa, like microscopic, size two marshmallows. They used sprinkle on the cocoa, but it was too late. The weight of my words had done me in. Does that ever happen to you? It caused me to realize, you know, sometimes we're better off saying less or saying nothing at all. Allison Krauss wrote a song like that. She said, you say it best when you say nothing at all. And I started thinking about that. That's a great lesson for all of us. And I want to use a moment, a very, very amazing moment in, the, in, the, in, the, in God's Word, in the book of James, and I want to go to James chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or maybe if you have a smartphone or a device, you can go to the version app, James chapter 1, and I want to talk about these, the, the power of words today, and James has this amazing advice, he says in verse 19, perhaps you've even heard this verse before, my dear brothers and sisters, so it's for everyone, You must all be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to get angry. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, should be slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So we look at those action words, three action words, quick, slow, slow. I want to talk to you about all three of those today. First of all, being quick to listen. And I love this because let me tell you who I am. I've always been quick to speak. I've been quick to do, quick to go, quick to decide. I'm not much of a processor. I'm quick to move. And unfortunately, because of all of that, I'm quick to be irritated, I'm quick to be annoyed. Sometimes I'm quick to judge. This is not a boastful thing in light of this scripture, quite the contrary. This is just the truth about me and my personality. I was a sprinter in high school. I ran the 100 and the 200. I know what you're thinking, that was 30 pounds ago, but I was swift back then. And I was a sprinter and I'm still a sprinter now, sprinting through life. But James says, be quick in order to do one thing and one thing only, listen. And again, when it comes to doing and moving and working and sometimes even giving and loving, I'm pretty quick, but not always quick to listen. You think about that story of Jesus and Mary and Martha. Martha was quick with doing and serving and hosting. She was consumed with all the tasks that needed to get done, but Mary was quick to listen. Here's what Jesus says. He looks at Martha and he says, my dear Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about so many things. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. It will not be taken away from her. I'm more like Martha. Most of us are Martha. Most of us are not Mary. That's not all bad, but there's a lesson there when it comes to listening. And again, I've not at all mastered this in my life. I always let my wife read over my manuscripts before I preach every time. And my wife looked at this manuscript and she said, oh, a message on listening so interesting that you would preach about something you have no real life experience in. (laughs) This is amazing, Drew. Let me know how that works out for you. It's a valid statement. Um, We've entered the grandkid years. How many of you are grandparents, anybody? Yeah, it's the best ever. They tell you it's the best. It is, it's the best, it's amazing. And we have uh, three new grandbabies in the last two years, so we're very busy. And we found ourselves recently, I have a grandson named Henry, And Henry is almost two. He'll be two a week from today. And we were babysitting Henry. And at the same time, we were dog sitting for our son's dachshund. His name is Einstein. So our tranquil empty nester house was a wee bit spirited, if you know what I mean. I mean, if you want to ramp up the intensity of your house, just add a toddler and a wiener dog and life will really speed up. (laughs) It'll really speed up. So my wife decided to go get her nails done and uh, she left me in charge and she said, you just have one job, just keep an eye on Henry, keep an eye on him. So Henry and I, uh, we're, we played blocks, we played toys, but uh, I got a little bit tired and I thought, hey, you wanna watch Coco Melon? I don't know if any of you young parents ever watch Cocoa Melon, but it's a baby cartoon and he loves Cocoa Melon. So we're sitting there watching Cocoa Melon and I'm thinking this is gonna keep his attention for like 30 minutes. It kept my attention for 30 minutes. <laughs> It did not keep his attention for 30 minutes. So I'm mesmerized. I don't know what that says about me, but I'm watching a baby cartoon, the little baby, he's getting a big boy bed. And I thought it was very exciting. So we're watching, the <laughs> plot was pretty intense. JJ's getting a big boy bed. And I look around and Henry's gone. And I can't, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had one job. And so I paused Cocoa Melon because I wanted to see how it was going to end. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> I look around and I finally, I see Henry. And he's off in the corner with Einstein, the dog, and he's eating Einstein's dog food. And they're sharing bites, which we've taught Henry to share so that that was sweet. He was giving him a bite and then taking a bite. And I later confessed to my daughter, Hannah. I said to her, I texted her and I said, hey, say Henry hypothetically ate a little piece of dog food. Is that a terrible thing? And she said, he literally eats it by the handful at our house. (laughs) Not a big deal at all. For those of you that are judging me, I've brought the contents of this uh, dog food here. And I I want you to look at something. This dog food promotes healthy weight, healthy skin and coat. Not sure how that translates to a toddler, but healthy joint. Look up here in the top right-hand corner, bright eyes. I want you to look at a picture of this boy and tell me he doesn't have bright eyes. Okay? So don't be judging. Anyway. I guess all's well that ends well, but seriously, I'm trying to listen to the people around me these days a little better than I used to. Proverbs tells us, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. William Ury did a TED talk. He says, listening is the missing half of communication. Absolutely necessary, but often overlooked. You get the feeling that James was onto something here when he says, be quick to listen. James knew 2,000 years ago that listening is the missing half of communication. And remember, we live in the age of communication, right? Everybody's talking, texting, tweeting, posting, but how much listening is really happening in such a distracting world these days? I've learned something about myself lately. When it comes to listening, I'm often listening merely with the intent of trying to figure out my response back to the other person in which I'm having conversation. But Yuri says that a genuine listener will put that other person in the spotlight, allowing yourself to take in their speech, their body language, their inflection, to really understand what they're saying. So when we're a selfish listener, we don't really connect with the other person. We're simply exchanging words. We connect, but we don't converse. When it comes to genuine listening, we don't just listen to what is said, but what is not being said. We don't listen to just the words, but what is behind the words, and it's crucial. Have you ever thought about this? Why don't we teach listening to our elementary kids? We teach reading and writing. Do we teach listening? Imagine a world where parents listen to their children. Maybe we could understand, uh, and as a result, lead them better. Imagine a world uh, where wives actually listen to their husbands. Yeah, that's impossible, but anyway. Or men, how about if husbands actually listen to their wives? All God's women said. Amen. What if leaders actually listen to their people? What if churchgoers actually listen to the preacher? I just want to see if you're paying attention. Wasn't that funny, was it? What if on radio and television there were not just talk shows, but listen shows? What if instead of peace talks, we had peace listens? Think about your life. When someone really listens to you, you want to listen to them. Listening is contagious. So James says, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Open your ears and your hearts to people. Secondly, he says, be slow to speak. Sort of the art of moving into a conversation slowly. The writer of Ecclesiastes says this, so let your words be few. Let your words be few. I need to read that today. I need to, to practice that. And then he says later on in that verse, "Too many words make you a fool. Too many words make you a fool." I've been married to an amazing woman for 34 years. I've learned uh, that listening is indeed the missing half of communication, and that sometimes it's better to say less. I'm learning to say less these days. I've learned that if I would have saved, said less uh, the last few years, that I would have saved Michelle and I a little time and a lot of heartache. And I want to talk about that. It's not too late for us to make adjustments in that. Let's talk about quick to listen and slow to speak when it comes to relationships. You know, in any relationship, dating relationship or in the marital context, there's going to be some conflict. Now, I want to just say this. When it comes to conflict, for me, words come easy. It's what I do for a living. I frame words. So words come easy for me when it comes to conflict. For Michelle, not so much. She's a processor. She thinks through things. In some cases, she's a dreamer. She sorts her thoughts out. So Michelle's process is this, it's beautiful. Stop, think, pray. That's her process. Stop, think, and pray. It's a wonderful, very Christ-like process. Here's my method. Act, speak, and hope for the best, okay? That's my process. Act, speak, and hope for the best. When it comes to communication and conflict, I am ready, fire, aim. Are you with me on that? Did you follow that? Michelle's method is ready, ready, aim. Ready, ready, aim again, fire. We're just so different. And here's the potential danger when it comes to conflict in some forms, I actually enjoy it. Not, not negativity, I don't like fighting, just good healthy debate. I like to talk about sports. I like to talk about theology, but the Bible. I have lots of questions. I like to walk through all those things. I used to like to talk about politics, but that's not fun anymore, because kindness has kind of got thrown out the door, right? So I don't like to do that. But I like a little debate and a little healthy, even spirited discussion. Michelle, not so much. Any form of debate or conflict, and she begins to worry. Is this going too far? Is somebody getting their feelings hurt? Is a fight about to break out? And newsflash about conflict. There is a direct link to opening your mouth and anger. There's a direct link to this. And if you read the rest of that verse, in fact, hold off on that, I'll get there. But what happens is when conflict happens and it's just inevitable, I get amped up, my wife gets locked up. I get amped up, I'm ready to talk. She gets locked up, amped up versus locked up. I'm quick with words, that's my job. I frame words, I speak, so I have something to say immediately when it comes to conflict. Michelle needs a little time. And just know this, when you're in a fight, time is never really your ally. And timing delivery is real important. So amped up versus locked up. Who wins every time, surprisingly? Nobody. Nobody wins. If I'm quick with words, that's not winning. If she's suppressed and stuffs it way down, that's not going to eventually end well either. One person is spewing, the other person is stuffing. Spewers versus stuffers. No one is really listening. And when that happens, it leads to something that grieves the heart of God. And James gets at this. It's sin. In Proverbs 10, it says this, so simple. Where words are many, sin is not absent. Where words are many, friend, sin is not absent. It's there. It's in the midst. Let's go back to what I said earlier. There's a direct link to opening your mouth and anger. It's the third directive in this grouping of verses. James says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to become angry. Now, to be fair, anger is a very common human emotion. Let's face it. We all get angry from time to time. One of my favorite lines from Toy Story is uh, when Mrs. Potato Head says to her man, are you in a good mood? And Mr. Potato Head says, I'm not sure. And she says, okay, I'll pack your angry eyes just in case. (laughs) Sometimes we pack our angry eyes. Maybe it's a result of road rage or rude people or arrogant people, those who think they know all the answers. Maybe it's your boss that you work with, uh, little things. Maybe it's big things. Maybe poverty makes you angry, maybe child abuse, maybe sex trafficking makes you angry. By the way, don't ever confuse anger with indignation. James is talking temper, not justice. He's talking rage, not a righteous cause. And he tells us the reason to be passionate about this is because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in our life. He's talking about the deep-seated lust and fears and entitlements and pride in our heart that creates anger. And many times, not always, but often, anger is the genesis of sin. In fact, Paul writes this, in your anger, do not sin. Now, the implication here, if you think about this, is that it's possible to be angry and not sin, but it's a real slippery slope. That's how it often is with anger. We just don't know when to stop. How to be angry but not sin, that's a huge problem in our society. That's why James says, quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because some of us have battled this our whole lives. You're enslaved to it. You have an anger problem and you've been denying it. You've been justifying it. And some of us, it comes out very violently. Others of us, real passively. Spewers versus stuffers. But in the end, it's all toxic. Some of you have had good reason for anger. Maybe it's the moment you lost your innocence because somebody stole it from you. Or the moment you lost a chance to have your dad tuck you in bed every night because he left. He took that from you. Maybe it was a spouse and they left and they betrayed you and they broke the trust and your picture of happiness was shattered. Maybe it wasn't your spouse. Maybe it was your parents. You have a mom or a stepmom or a mother in law that won't let you off the mat, just manipulating, controlling, and overbearing and it clouds everything and it angers you. Maybe it's your professional life. You finally get a job you liked and you worked your way in a good standing, you're making a name for yourself and then something fell apart. Someone stole your idea or maybe COVID forced some layoffs or you were the victim of office politics. Some of you get super angry on social media and you think maybe because you're right, you have the right to post you use your anger to bash people over the head and to hurt people, to tear people down. And what happens, friend, that the reason this is so, so harmful sometimes is people who don't know Jesus see from your profiles that you're a Christ follower. And they might think, hey, if, if that's a Christian, then I really don't want to be a Christian. Or worse yet, they think that's why I'm not a Christian. See, there's a problem with all these forms of anger. Sometimes we think we know best about the situation when we don't know the whole story at all. We fail to see context and we lash out and we make generalizations and we get angry and blame others and we honestly should probably look in the mirror and take a look at the main source of our anger. We failed to listen. It was the missing half of communication and we were so busy forming our next sentence that we missed everything altogether. So here's what we know about anger. God doesn't want it for us. Anger is not what God wants desires for you. That's what verse 20 tells us. Anger is not what God desires for us. So let's stop just real quick and review. What have we learned? Listening is the missing half of communication. That when practiced, it's contagious. That when words are few, they can lead to understanding others. But when they are many, they can lead to anger and sin. And that's not what God desires for us. So with this last piece of advice or instruction or wisdom, I want to go to Psalm chapter 46 because I think there's a remedy here. I think there's something that will be real helpful for all of us. If you want to hear from God, the psalmist says this, be still and know that I am God, that I will be exalted among the nations, that I will be exalted in the earth. This term in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God, in that setting it was not advice to make us lead a a more contemplative life, or as important as that is. It's not saying, you know, assume the lotus position, right? It means lay down your arms and surrender. It means to surrender. And I predict one of these days, some of you who had no interest in God not all that long ago are going to find yourselves unable to resist him any longer. We'll give you a moment in just a few minutes to have that opportunity to surrender. And I think you'll reach that point where you'll just surrender and say, Lord, I need you to be my forgiver, the controller of my life, my friend, and my Lord. I'm going to listen to your voice for a change. Sometimes I'll cut that Psalm 46 in half and go to Psalm 23. It's amazing, isn't it? I want us to do it together as we close. Uh, Not every verse, just the first couple. And uh, I like, I remember when I memorized this as a kid. I I did it in the King James Version, so if you'll allow me, I know we usually use NIV and NLT, but let's let's look at the King James Version together. Would you read it with me? It's gonna be on the screens. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. It's amazing, isn't it? The reason David opens up with these two verses, it's very interesting. He basically wants us to know that God is here to protect us and take care of us, that we don't really have any needs. When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have any wants. And I love that second verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? Because lying down is the most vulnerable position that a human being can be in. You're vulnerable when you lie down. And he says, I want you to lie down, and I wanna take you to a quiet place with still waters. And I just want you to be still. Be still. And then that next verse is interesting, he says, he restores my soul. How do we get restored in this world? We listen. We listen. We get in a vulnerable position and we hear the voice of God. So let's just do that for the next moment or two. Would you? Would you just be still with me? And I'm gonna give you a series of things that I want you to think about and contemplate. So if you would, if you don't mind, if you're watching online, we'd love for you to do this. Just close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to surrender your ears and your heart as we close this out. First of all, take a moment and just be still and thank him for his mercies that are new in your life every morning. now be still and ponder his grace and his compassion. If you have children or grandchildren, be still and see him in the beauty of your kids. If your spouse is with you, be still and experience him or her in the arms of of your spouse. Be still and fathom his immeasurable love. Be still and meditate on the salvation that he's given to you. Thank him for salvation. Be still and see him on an old rugged cross. Be still as you envision the empty tomb. Friend, be still and know that he is for you, that he loves you, that he's preparing a place for you. How amazing is that? Just be still and know that He is God. You can open your eyes. Many times and on many occasions, there's a time to say life-giving words to the people that you love. Sometimes they need to hear the weight of your words. But sometimes it's best just to say nothing. It's restorative. It's replenishing to just be still and listen. We're going to sing an invitation song in just a moment. If you need prayer, Uh, from someone, they will be here to receive you and to pray with you in the prayer room right to my right here. But if you would like to speak with someone today about surrendering your heart to salvation, to surrendering your heart to baptism, uh, we are here for you today. Maybe today is the day that you lay down your arms and surrender, and you listen to the voice of God. Let me pray over you today. God, we love you. I thank you for these sweet people in my midst today, and I, I pray... God, your blessing on each one of them. I thank you for the Hills Church and for the vision that's gonna be laid out even next weekend. God, we pray your anointing on that vision. And I pray today your protection and your Holy Spirit around the men and women of God in this room. And I pray, God, if there's anybody in here today or maybe watching online that needs to surrender their heart and their life to you, that they would do so. Father, in just a few moments for this in-person audience, As we sing this song, I pray that you would stir the hearts of some of your people. If they want to surrender their hearts to you, that they would come. They would walk down here, that they would get prayed over, and that they would receive the gift of salvation. Father, some need to be baptized. And so, God, whatever that decision is, I pray your anointing and your protection over them today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.